Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy! You know, our mission here at Engage Church is to connect people with God because it's God that changes lives, not us or Engage Church. It's God. We're just a tool that points people to God, the one who changes lives. But then you you come in, you have all these people, and so our mission is to connect people with God, but it's also to connect people with the church family because we believe that the church, the people, are what God's word said is the bride of Christ, and we are to present ourselves without spot or wrinkle for the bridegroom, for Jesus. This is who we are. And so you have this, you have this time of intense planning. It comes down into growth numerically, and then you have to move up into community. You have to start connecting people and kind of gluing people together. And that is what I love about this church is there's so many hearts in here where we don't have to sit up here week after week and explain that to people. People are connecting with one another, and that is what is bringing uh, life change and the opportunity for life change to happen. Here's the deal. My, my wife has a friend that she grew up with, and now she's, um, I don't really know exactly what she is. She's some kind of, like, fitness trainer, okay? And so she has a group of people that are online, and she kind of encourages people, things like that, through Facebook, and they're really geeked out to lose weight, right? Like, that's, that's kind of what she thought. Like, I'm a trainer. I'm into this nutritional stuff. And so people got to be into that. That's why they're coming. They want to lose weight. They want to get healthy. So she pops out a survey question with every person that, that adds on, and she has many, many people. And about 90% of the people, like a high, high number of these people, when she says, what's the number one thing you want to get out of this class? What's the number one thing you want to get out of this class? It's not health. It's not, I want to learn about nutrition and eat better. The number one thing that people say is, I want to make a friend. I want to make a friend. They're joining a fitness group to make a friend. And I am here to tell you, I am here to tell you, I say it often, and if you're a guest here today, maybe it's the first time you heard it, but Duluth, and it's not unique to Duluth, it's really the world, Duluth doesn't need another friendly place to come, a a place where people just kind of like, you know, kind of fill the seats, or we have a cup of coffee, and we just smile, and it's kind of like, hey, that's the 45 minutes, and then we're done with that. What Duluth needs, and what the world needs, is a friend, somebody that's going to invest a little bit into your life, ask you how you're doing. Ask you how things are going, and when you need prayer, pray with you. And when you need uh, 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 advice, give you some advice. Hey, even if it's bad advice, at least we're talking, right? I mean, (laughs) no, Um, there's a lot of bad advice out there, though. But we need a place to have a friend. And this is what we are trying to create as we think of moving into the Easter, Easter season, it's not just another opportunity to have a service where we have lots of people, because there'll be a lot of people here pretty much no matter what. That's just what happens on Easter. But what we want to do is we want to have an opportunity in that environment to show these people that we want to go beyond just being friendly, and we want to be a friend. We want to connect with you. And so in the next few weeks, we're just going to kind of talk about some things like that, but we're really going to, we're really going to talk about uh, the way Jesus would approach it and so what that means for our lives. 
And we don't need to raise our hands here, um, but I would assume uh, if I asked this question, we'd get a lot of hand raises, maybe not. But I would just ask the question again, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever felt left out? How many of you have ever felt rejected? How many of you have ever felt like, like people have turned their back on you or that, that maybe even, man, and this is, this is tough, but some of us are there, that we're even forgotten? Like, it's like, yeah, you know, I know there's people that are around me, but they don't really think about me so much. I'm just kind of forgotten. In other words, we kind of feel maybe that we felt like a place where we feel like an outcast, like we just don't really have a place to belong. I mean, I can honestly say I've been there. I've been in a group of people and still been lonely. It's just where some of us get. And so... This is a, a great opportunity when we look at that type of, uh, uh, of, uh, of thoughts and feelings and emotion in our life to really look at God's character, his attitude towards that outcast, his attitude towards the rejected, the ones that the world would say is an outcast. Because this is what I love about the God that I serve and the, and the God that we serve as believers is that his attitude is that he actually wants to know the ones that the world would call outcasts. He wants to hang out with the ones that the world would call outcasts. He, he actually looks intentionally and diligently for them. He doesn't just wait around for them to come to him. He's looking for them, right? He associates with them. He actually gets in the grind of life and, and you know, rubs elbows with them and, and lives with them and eats with them and communicates with them and, and, and hangs out. I mean, he's just associated with these people that the world or others would call outcasts. This is the Jesus that we serve. And this is the best part. This is the best part because I like to party. I don't know about anybody in here. Now, let's, let's keep that on, you know, I'm a pastor, so the party in like kind of stays at a level. But I like to have a good time. And Jesus loves to party. In fact, all of heaven rejoices when somebody finds him. When he's out looking and somebody turns and they, and they repent from their sinful ways and they turn towards him, he rejoices. He parties. There's nothing that, that makes his heart rejoice more. Is that when one of us come to him or, or, or one that has been lost finds him, a sinner uh, repents and turns toward him, towards him. Somebody that is, is feeling rejected, needed him, finds him and connects with him. This is the heart of our God. This is the attitude of our God. And I want to look at that a little bit here today. We, we find this attitude through some stories in Luke 15. I'm going to look at Luke 15, uh, 1 and 2 right now. Now the tax collectors and sinners, which tax collectors were not good people, okay? I, I know that we kind of think of the tax collectors these days the same way, I get that. But I mean, in this time, it was like really bad because typically tax collectors were like one of us. They were like part of the crew. But they decided to step out of our group and start to kind of oppress us because the way tax collecting worked then was that you would say, you would go and, and you would say, okay, you know, you're taxed uh, uh, $10 is what the government wants, but the way that I make my money is to charge you a little more because I get to keep whatever the government doesn't need, right? So if maybe the $10 is your tax, I might take 15 or 20. So these tax collectors were robbing from the very people that were like their family, really, 
and friends, the ones they grew up with. They were not good people. They kind of had this heart of, of greed and, and, and among other things. So, so to, to talk about tax collectors and sinners in the same sentence in this is like very fulfilled or very um, makes sense, okay? And so uh, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. I want you guys to hear that as well. It's not saying the tax collectors and the sinners were around because the building was really awesome. Or they showed up at this place because the worship was killer. Or the lighting and stuff like that was great. Or the pastor preached just awesome. Or the coffee bar had great coffee. Said they gathered around to hear Jesus. When Engage gets on fire for Jesus, not just the pastor, not just the leadership, but I mean as a body, gets on fire for Jesus and, and truly lives a life that's on fire for Jesus. I'm not saying a perfect life, but just moving towards him. People want to come hear Jesus. It compels people towards you. That's how you live an inviting life. You get on fire, you get crazy for Jesus, and you let him just do what he wants in your life, which is what we're all here learning how to do, most of us here today anyhow. So here they are, the sinners, the tax collectors, they're gathered to hear Jesus, but when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, kind of saw them, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And you can kind of just hear that kind of snooty or whatever you want to say, like, you know, this man he eats with sinners, and he's like, what's he doing, right? Because they know better than Jesus, which is a lot of the problem in some of our lives. So, so here the Pharisees are, and Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were people that they had a lot of head knowledge. They knew scripture, man. They, they knew that Old Testament better than anyone. In fact, some of them wore it on their foreheads, and, and they you know, would pull out scrolls and all kinds of things. They, they knew it. But see, they had this head knowledge that they didn't transfer into heart knowledge. They, they didn't live anything spiritually. It was just all this rigid rules and, and living to try to be perfect one day. Because their thinking was that if one person could achieve all these laws, and there was thousands of them, there's just no possible way. If you could achieve that in one day, the Messiah would come. So they were just all about this, like, oh, you got to walk the right way. Oh, you can't look at that. I mean, you were, just by waking up, you broke one of the laws here. I mean, it was just insanity. I can't imagine living this way, which is why I say reject that legal, fundamental, religion, law, legalistic type of thing and get into a relationship with Jesus. In fact, that's where we're going on Easter is we're going to talk about brand new and how Jesus actually, uh, he just took away the Old Testament law and he brought life into this New Testament relationship that we can live with him. I don't need to go on that sermon. There's a little teaser. It's going to be awesome. Excited. Invite somebody to that. But here the Pharisees are. They have head knowledge. They don't have heart knowledge. They, they believe by associating or even touching sinners that they would become ceremonial unclean, that they had to present themselves. They couldn't even, they couldn't even kind of get close to a sinner because the sinner might rub off on them. I mean, this is the real way of them thinking, guys. This isn't just like, a, you know, like kind of a story or funny to talk about. This is really like they would scream to a leper. I mean, somebody that had a disease that's really broken and probably just rejected their whole life, a leper, sores all over their body, not something pretty to look at. They would just yell, hey, unclean. So here this person is just hurting already physically, and then now emotionally they got this community of, of, of religious teachers and believers, the ones that are supposed to be pointing to Jesus, 
and they're just like, get away, you're unclean. I mean, think about that feeling. Talk about feeling like an outcast. To them, to the Pharisees, you know, they were, they were really living in this box. This, this box where it was like, this is the way it is. This is the only way it is. I'm not willing to think outside of it. I'm not willing to think any other way. This is the way it is. You got to look this way. You got to act this way. You got to do your hair this way. You got to dress this way. The pastor doing this nonsense on a Sunday. I mean, that's not holy. Jesus can't be a part of that. The tie, the drums, what are you thinking? Right? This was the box they lived in. This was the box they lived in. It was more about not messing up from them instead of helping the people that were messy and needed them the most. There's a difference there. Now see, Jesus took a different approach. When he, when he looked at others that, that the world would call outcasts, when he looked at others, he, he actually approaches them that he came to bring them salvation. He came to give them a gift of life. He came to show them God's love. Jesus didn't worry about accusations like, oh, that person is an adulterer or that person is an alcoholic or, or that person has all these, you know, vices in their life. He didn't worry about what the society or the people around were accusing that person of. He didn't worry about going up to the needy and the ones that needed him the most and sitting with them and eating with them. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He was concerned about showing them truth, showing them life, giving them a free gift of life. And I think we can learn from Jesus. He wasn't worried about reputation. Here's the really cool thing. So that's what Jesus was doing on his earthly mission when he was here. He, he was eating with sinners. He was, he was going to the outcasts. You want to know the cool thing about you? If you came in here this morning and you're just kind of wondering, you know, I hear it all the time, what's, what's God's purpose for my life? Well, man, I ask myself that, believe it or not, as a pastor, I ask myself that question every single week. Not, what does Jesus have for my life? I ask myself the question, God, how do I, how do I answer that when people ask? Because I think it's something that we really want to know. And I, I haven't got like a full answer or anything like that. But I can tell you this, is that you were on purpose. Because what Jesus was doing then, he wants to use you to do the same thing. He wants to use you right now where you may feel like you're a mess. You may feel like you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus died on a cross for you right where you're at. The great thing about the God and the Jesus that we serve is that he loves you right where you're at, but he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants something better for you. He wants to move with you through life. And he wants to use you to reach this city. He wants to use you to reach that coworker at, at work that needs to know him. He wants to use you to reach your neighbor that's sitting in a house right next to you that just doesn't know him or has never been invited to church. He wants to use you to reach that 80% of people that would come to a community because they want a friend, but they've just never been asked. He wants to use you right now. That's exciting. Like the God of the universe, 
right? The one that told the water to stop where the water stops and the sky to stop where the sky to stop and the birds to have wings and, and the creatures to crawl and all that stuff that created man, that breathed life into us, that's giving us the opportunity to hear right now and see right now and be here this morning, that God wants to use you. If that's not good news and exciting or something that stirs you up, we need stronger coffee in here. I don't know. That's some good, awesome stuff right there. The God of the universe wants to use you. And so Walt Disney had this saying, you know, I love this. He says, don't think outside the box. Think like there is no box. And I think a lot of times we, we don't mean to, but we kind of get like the Pharisees where we think there's one way. There's only a, a certain way or there's only, you know, leaders of the church or, or somebody that's super spiritual that can do, uh, that can, then can go to the outcasts, that can invite them or that knows what to say. Like there's some, you know, uh, certain prescription of, or recipe of how you invite somebody or how you talk to somebody about Jesus. But what Jesus did is he blew that box out of the water. He, he didn't even think that there was a box. He just saw everybody and he wanted them all. You know, uh, uh, 1 Timothy actually says um, that it is his desire that all people will be saved and come to knowledge and truth. Jesus didn't have a box. He was looking at everybody, and he was going to get there. The way that we need to approach reaching Duluth, reaching our friends, reaching our family, is that we will do anything short of sinning to reach one more person for Jesus. If we have that attitude, guys, we are going to see God do some amazing things together. And we already have. And I'm excited about that. Is anybody excited about that this morning? All right, amen. We're, we're here. We're good. This is great. So today, I just want to take a quick look at three thoughts, three thoughts that are going to help us learn how we can reach out to the outcasts, how we can, how we can be like Jesus in that way, okay? And so we're just going to continue on. The first thought is that we really have to get out of our comfort zone and do what Jesus did. All right, I mean, that, that is just about as simple and clear as I can put it. It's not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable. I, I, I understand that, but life's not comfortable. You know, skinny jeans aren't comfortable, but some people still wear them. I don't know what's up. That was, I thought that was funnier than we got right there. Um, <laughs> New joke next time. I will put that in there. No. So, hey, life's not comfortable, right? Life is just not comfortable. And, and asking people to come to service or, or telling somebody your testimony about how God changed your life. In fact, in our grow group today, we're going to talk a little bit about that, of where uh, God entered our life and what that meant and like what's happening through that relationship right now. It, it, it's not always... It might not be comfortable to start it, but once you kind of get used to it a little bit or you do it once, it's not as scary as it seems. See, I really believe that fear is actually paper thin. And the enemy puts it right in front of us. It's kind of like rice paper, you know? He puts it in front of us so we're just kind of blinded with what's on the other side enough to be scared enough not to move forward. But with the power of Jesus, we just kind of poke through that and rip it open and it's really nothing. It's really nothing. Fear is paper thin. It's a choice. Once we decide to get through that, it's amazing what God will do in our life. So, so we want to get out of our comfort zone, and we want to do what Jesus did. we got to ask ourselves the question, are we really following Jesus' example here? Are we really uh, uh, reaching out to the outcasts? Luke 15, 4 says this, where 
Jesus kind of starts to talk in some stories here to tell people how to do this. And he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, loses one of them, doesn't he leave 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, I know that's kind of funny to talk about sheep in our culture, but back there, obviously, this was like a huge way uh, of survival for them and a, and a business and things like that. And so it might seem foolish to think of, of a shepherd leaving 99 sheep. I mean, that's like really important to go find this one straggler that goes off. But see, the shepherd would have known that, that in, the, in the fencing or wherever he had the sheep, those 99 are okay. They, they know that they can't go beyond the borders, Right? But this one that straggles off is very vulnerable. It's probably just kind of eating some grass, going wrong in life, thinking everything's a-okay, but very vulnerable to any type of predator coming up for an attack, very unaware of what could happen. And so the shepherd diligently runs after and takes the time to find this vulnerable sheep that's in danger because each sheep has such a high value that is worth looking for the one lost. And with Jesus, just like I said a little bit earlier, with Jesus, every person has high value. See, this is the box that we live in. We, we sit in a service like this sometimes, and, and we think like, man, that is a good idea. I need to reach out. But the minute we get at our job, or the minute we get maybe with a neighbor that's a little bit something, like doing things that we don't really like, and, and, and it's kind of real life, we start to put that box up again, and we're like, okay, I'll reach somebody else. You know, like, like I'm not really going to go after that person, because that seems a little challenging for me. Or I'm not going to share my, my faith. I'm not going to invite them to church. I'll, I'll wait for someone else to come along. And that very person is probably the one that Jesus put right in front of you. We start to put people in a box. And that's where we become very judgmental. And that's where we become very fundamental and legalistic. And we, and we start to push the very people that Jesus wants us to be the hands and feet to help. We start pushing them away. And we start to look like the church in America in general where it's either plateauing or failing because we're not rejoicing. We're not seeking out these lost sheep. We're not seeking out the outcasts. We're not leaving the 99, getting out of our comfort zone, doing what Jesus did and going after the vulnerable. We need to, we need to think and do as Jesus did. Jesus was, was so cool about this. You know, I, I said it before that he associated with sinners all the time. You can read it throughout all the New Testament and all the Gospels. I mean, he was just, the, the people that you're like, dude, what were you doing? Like, why? Why would you go into that situation? He, he was with them all the time. And I'm not telling you to put yourself in a, in a scary situation. I mean, you have to use judgment. I do all the time. I'm not just going to let my kids be babysat by somebody because it, they're, they're maybe nice people. I want to know who they are. You know, you, you can make judgments of people. You're, you're allowed to do that, and that's up to you. So don't, I'm not saying go into an unsafe situation or a scary situation. I'm saying we need to be willing to go to the vulnerable. That's the point I'm making here. And Jesus would do that all the time. He would go eat with sinners, sit down with sinners. He would hang out with them. And it wasn't to join in their sin. It was that he wanted to bring lost sheep. He wanted to bring the, the people considered without hope. He wanted to bring the outcasts to, to give them the good news of the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something. I am so thankful that God pursues us in this way. I'm so thankful that he doesn't just wait up there and he's like, well, they better figure it out because time's ticking away. 
I'm so thankful that he, he uses people to reach out because my testimony is everything to do with people coming to me. I did not run after God. In fact, I probably did the opposite. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in the church, and, and I actually, I've always believed in God. But there were some things that I saw in the church. There were some relationships that got broken. There were some attitudes that I saw. Not that I'm Mr. Holier than thou because I'm just as bad. But I saw some of those things and that actually told me if that's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus, I just don't want it. That's my first mistake is that I thought I knew better than what God's plan is, is to be a part of a body without spot or wrinkle. See, I could have been part of the solution. Instead, I became part of the problem and I just dipped out because it was my feelings and it was the way I wanted to live my life and, and things like that, right? And so what I did is I, I dipped out for a while. And I'm not saying this happens to everybody, but I was just, like I said, man, I like to party and so I started partying. I started doing some things and it took me down some roads that I just would rather have not gone down, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm here now and I have stories and a testimony and, and I guess in that sense it all worked out. But here's what happened in there. When I wasn't seeking after Jesus, I was working as a, a golf teaching pro at a golf course, and there was a member, younger guy my age, now we're really good friends at the time, we just kind of knew each other, and he would come in, and I don't know if he just saw something about my life or whatever, but he'd just say every, every morning, him and his dad would come in, they were the first one on our tee sheet to go tee off, because they wanted to get around faster than anybody, and he'd say, hey, you should come to church with me this weekend. And I wasn't offended by it or nothing. I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. But my life at the time didn't really fit church into it. And he would just kind of talk to me about that. Well, after probably about two years, no joke, I finally went to church. And I talked to the pastor there one time. And that pastor actually came over to my house multiple times and would pull me out of my house because I live with a group of guys. And I'd be possibly drinking a beer, whatever else, I don't know. And he'd sit me down and he'd say, hey, I just... Uh, wanted to come over and say hi to you, and, and uh, I just want you to know, he, he would never talk about the beer in my hand. He'd never say, hey, you know, that's a problem. And I was almost, in some ways, I think I might have been taunting him with that, waiting so I could be like, hey, tell me how to live my life, and I could, like, get him out of my way, right? But no, what he would say is, he's like, hey, I, I just want you to know, like, I really believe that God wants to use you. I really believe that, that God sees something in you that you might not see right now. And he would just kind of continue to pursue me through that. I am so thankful that somebody got this and got out of their comfort zone and did what Jesus did and came after me because I don't know if the story would be me standing up here right now if that didn't happen. These are, these are very big turning points. We can understand a God who forgives sinners that come to him for mercy. We really can. I mean, that makes sense. Like somebody running after God, oh yeah, I get that. Like God, God forgives somebody because they're on his side now. But, but what is just absolutely incredible to me is that we have a God that intentionally seeks after the outcasts. He intentionally seeks after the sinners. And he joyfully forgives them. That is an insane amount of love. That's an incredible kind of love. And the thing that I just get geeked out of my mind is that extraordinary love is the same love that God wants to show Duluth. And that's the kind of love that God wants Duluth to feel. And that's the same love that God wants you to show. He wants to use you to show that love. This is why inviting people is important. We think that it's a nuisance. It's not. Do we believe that God is on the move in this local church? I do. Does anybody here believe that, honestly? I believe it. 
I've seen it. I've seen people baptized here. I've seen marriages healed here. I've seen addictions broke here, here at Engage. And there's plenty of great churches out in the city, and we're going to partner with them. And we're going to see this city just boom, and we're going to see some crazy things. I believe that. You want to know why? Because every square inch of Duluth and the surrounding areas is God's. And the enemy has come in, and he's stolen what's not his, and it's time for us to take territory back. But we have to kind of mount up. We have to kind of get passionate. We have to kind of be ready with our heads on a swivel to reach out. We have to be willing to look for the vulnerable and go. And just maybe, you want to come to church? You don't have to open your Bible and be a scholar to do that. It's amazing what God will do through that. It changed my life, guys. It changed my life. It took me from just this this sinner. I'm not going to say a saint because I'm still working on that, but it took me to being a pastor Somebody who actually like views my wife and loves my life, wife and cares for my wife and wants to be a better husband and through that wants to be a better dad and wants to be a better leader for you guys, wants to be a better part of my community. And then we question what God's purpose is. Man, I think we see God's purpose when we start living that life, right? Amen. We got to get out of our comfort zone. We got to do what Jesus did. Last two kind of final thoughts here is that we need to search until we find one. We need to search until we find one. Sometimes it's, it's very easy. We are so schedule-driven in our life. Man, we are just so schedule-driven. Our, our life kind of just gets out of control and it just runs us. And uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. But th- we're just driven that way. And so it's very easy for us to kind of get in the motions of life. You know, just kind of wake up, we go to work, we get off and we got to get the kids and they got to go here and, and we just kind of get in this little zone of our own. And I'm not saying that's selfish or anything, but, but you know, you can get so busy doing those things that, that you just kind of don't have time for anything else. You don't have time for what God really wants to do in your life. It can be very distracting. And so we have to look at that. We have to, we have to chisel some things out. We just have to get brave and do it. it it's, it's a real deal. It has to happen. It just has to happen because we have to have time to search until we find one. When you look at Luke 15, 8, it says, or this is another story that Jesus was kind of talking about, the idea of why wouldn't I have these sinners around us? Why wouldn't we have these people or invite them in? It says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now, when we think about coins, we're just kind of like, okay, why is that such like a big thing? Well, the Palestine women here, when they got married, they would actually get 10 silver coins as like a wedding gift. And it resembled more than just like the, the money side of it. It actually resembled like symbolism, like a wedding ring. It, it was just a very important thing. And so to even lose one of those was really kind of, it, it would stress you out. It, it was like, oh man, this is an important thing that I'm losing. It was, you know, very big symbol for them. So that's why he's kind of uh, using this. And so you can just imagine that if, if you lost one of those, how, how intensely you'd be looking for it, right? Have you guys ever seen the movie Sandlot? Anybody in here ever seen the movie Sandlot? All right, good. You guys can all stay. Um, love that movie, okay? And um, we don't have time for the clip. I had a clip, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. So what's interesting about the Sandlot is if you don't know the story, what it is is that this, this kid comes to a city. He's new, and guess what happens? He's looking around for a friend. He's sitting out on the corner, and some kid just comes up to him and says, hey, you play baseball? And he wasn't very athletic at all in this movie, which is kind of funny, but he just kind of says, well, yeah, I do. He wants friends, right? He's looking for a friend. Somebody invites him in. Next thing you know, this guy that was not not athletic at all is playing baseball with the kids in the neighborhood. 
Well, there was a, a fence in the outfield, and every time they would hit a ball over that fence, there's this big beast, they called him, which was just a dog, but they called him the beast, was over the fence. So they didn't go get those balls because it was like nobody's going over there. There was like legends of kids being devoured by the beast, right? Like stories of the kid down the road that probably just moved away, but they never saw him again because he tried to get the ball, right? Until one day they were out of baseballs. And the new kid runs home, goes into a stepfather's uh, office and grabs this ball that's up on a trophy. Brings it down. The best player, pow, knocks it out of the park, right? We can't go get that one. And the kid's like, yeah, we got to go get that one. They're kind of like, well, why? What's the deal? And he's like, well, that, it had some name on it. And they're like, what name? And he's like, babe, baby something, babe something. And he's like, and the, all the kids knew, babe, Ruth, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Like this is a major collectible thing, right? And so, th so they end up, at the end of the movie, they end up going in there, running after it. They beat the beast. They get the ball. But the reason that they were willing to risk their lives for the ball is because it had a name on it. It wasn't just any ordinary ball that got hit over the fence. There was value in that. Just like the woman sweeping the floor because she had lost something. There's a whole lot of baseballs out in this city that have names on it, if you will. And I'm sure it wasn't comfortable for them, and I know it's just a movie plot, but I'm sure it wasn't comfortable for them to jump the fence and have to run away from this beast, and he actually gets off the chain and has to, this kid has to run tons and tons of distance. It wasn't comfortable, but they were very intensely, diligently looking for that ball because of the name. It was the same as any other ball, on, ball that you would ever hit. Probably could buy it for like 99 cents at that time but it had Babe Ruth's name, so it brought value to it. We have to get out of our comfort zone and do what Jesus did, and we have to search until we find one. We have to be diligent. We have to be intent, intent, intense. We have to be intentional. We have to search until we find one. And then this one you're all going to like. We can even get up and cheer if you really want to. But the third thing, so we got to get out of our comfort zone. We got to do what Jesus did. We got to search until we find one, and then we got to party like it's 1999. We're in Minnesota. That's Prince right there, right? Really, I mean, we have got to start celebrating. We have got to start looking at what God is doing and getting excited about that. Not too many people, you know, I say it like this. I, I tell um, some of our, uh, and, and Tim is so on board with us uh, about this, but one of my things is like, I just don't want to be a church that gets into debt. I, I just don't believe it's time for a local church to be in debt. And so why do we meet in a room like this? Because this is what we can afford right now. And we don't need a big building to tell people about Jesus. It's just not time for us to go in debt. When, when I would have to stand up here and say, hey, guys, we, we put this facility up, and uh, we kind of didn't plan very well, and now we have like a million dollars, and can you guys just uh, reach in your hearts and be generous? Like, help us get out of this hole. I mean, not a lot of you are like, yay, here you go, you know, and it's not that, it's, how is that motivating to pay that off? That doesn't move you. I mean, you understand, hey, yeah, we want to be a part of this. We need to help this out. 
But if I can say, guys, here's what, here's what I know, is that you're at a church right now, a local church that is dedicated to being less about facility and more about investing into people. And through investing into, when, when we can pay everything, the bills here, and we can bring on staff, we can reach more, we can create environments where people are having their lives pointed to Jesus and their lives by that are being changed and the Holy Spirit's moving. And, and then we just, you know, when, when, when we get invested in something like that, we're just like, where do, you, where do you need it? Like, we're all a part of that. We're, we're motivated to move. It's more like a celebration. Like, guys, we're doing it. We're, we're getting there, right? Like, like, we are ready to move. And in the same way, the, the, the world has kind of seen the local church slump down, kicking the can, and like, yeah, I go to church, and, you know, it's got some issues and stuff, and like, yeah, Jesus is cool. And they're just kind of like, all right, well, anyhow, I'm going to play darts because that's got a little more energy, right? I mean, I'm going, to the, I'm going to play pool. I'm going to Buffalo Wild Wings because at least they got like 50-cent wings on Tuesday or something. I mean, you, you're doing nothing to excite me about this. But when you can walk up to your neighbor and just say, man, I just got to tell somebody this, and, and we're out raking our yard, and, and I don't know, I, I've just been trusting God with my finances, and, and I've, I've just started kind of paying off debt. And I am honestly, I thought like last year, I didn't know how me and my, my family were going to make it. And now all of a sudden, God just did something. Or, man, I was really struggling in this addiction, and I'm still there. But I realize there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a possibility for me to change and get out of this. And, or, or, man, my marriage, I mean, I don't want to get too personal with you, but it was kind of struggling. And all of a sudden, I, I, I let Jesus just kind of do some things in my life. I started going to church. I'm in this girl group, and, and I just started to change it. And my, my anxiety has gone and then I'm not taking it out on my spouse and all of a sudden we're like laughing again and we're we're doing just all kinds of crazy things again it's just a, it's just an awesome thing do you think that that's not going to compel somebody to want to be around that that's going to bring people people get excited like man I'm going to get out this Sunday and go see what they got because something's happening we got a party we got to celebrate we have to celebrate there's a story in the scripture here and it's about two brothers, and the one brother goes to his father. We've, we've talked about this before. The one brother goes to his father. He's like, I want all my inheritance now. What a kick in the face that is. Hey, Dad, you're not dead, but give me all the money you're going to give me when you do die. And the other brother is kind of annoyed by that, but the dad gives in, gives it to that brother. And that brother that asked for it, he just goes out to Vegas and parties it all away, literally. I mean, not Vegas because it wasn't here at the time, but he just goes and does his thing. He, he squandles it all away. And he gets so low that he finds himself so hungry that he's actually working to feed pigs to try to make money, and he starts eating what the pigs are eating. That's how low he got. And so he gets this thought in his mind, and he's like, maybe I could just go back to dad because he's got a business, and, and I know he's not going to accept me as his son, but at least I could work for him because at least his workers, they eat, and they have a place to stay. And so he goes running back, and he thinks his father's just going to be like, sure, you can work for me, but we're done. And his father runs out to him as he sees who he is. He, he puts a robe on him to cover up his filth and all the garbage that was on him. And, and he forgives him and he, and he gives him his ring and he's like, here, you, you have just as much authority here as I do. You have just as much authority here as I do. And he throws this big celebration. And the brother who sees his brother come home has a different attitude. And he just starts getting on his father and he's like, you know, why does he get this big party? Why are we celebrating? I mean, this guy just totally, you know, he just took everything you ever gave him and he squandered it all away and, and he's just a bad guy and he's kind of bitter. And this is what the father says 
to his son, his other son. He says in uh, Luke 15, 31, 32, he says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now he is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. He had to celebrate. He was lost and now he's found. And that should be our attitude. So how do we start to walk and, and reach people? How do we start to look at the outcast and approach them? We have to get out of our comfort zone and do what Jesus did. I don't know how many sermons I could say to actually just say that, but that's really where it's at. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to do what Jesus did. We have to look for the vulnerable. We have to be willing and brave to talk to them. That's what we have to do. And maybe it's as simple as an Easter service inviting somebody. All right, then we have to search until we find one. Don't go through the motions of life and just kind of think, hey, this week will be fine. I'll look for someone later. Be intentional now. Be looking. And then we got a party. We just have to celebrate with them. Man, when these people come in and they're messy, I can't imagine like that, that guy that took all the money and squandered it away and he was just beat up and broken and all of a sudden he comes back and there's a celebration. I mean, how much value did that put on him? How much in confidence did that rebuild in him? What did that do for his life? It changed everything. It's interesting in these three little stories that Jesus tells how, how each item started to become more and more important. It started with a sheep and it became a coin and then it was a person. Jesus just kind of walked us through how important things are. Would you guys be willing to do what Jesus did and look at Duluth in a different light this week? Start praying about who you might invite. Start praying about who God wants you to be in front. In fact, we have something here that should uh, help you a little bit. It's just a small piece of paper. Tim and Cindy are going to pass that out here. And what I want you guys to do with this, if you would commit with me, and I'm going to do this with you. I, I'm not going to be able to pray for everyone that you guys write down. But uh, if you would write a name on there. It doesn't have to be last name. You don't have to say who you are or anything. But I want you to keep this with you. And I want you to be praying, we're, we're just going to commit through Easter right now, that you would pray for a person. That you would pray for an opportunity to invite them to church, to maybe tell your testimony that you would just put a name to a prayer. Because just like that baseball, we can kind of pray for a lot of lost people, but until we put a name to it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to us. And just see what God does through that. And then through that, I really want to hear some stories, and I know there is. So I, I want you guys all to just take a minute, write a name down on there, or think about that, but, but put that with your stuff, uh, put it on your refrigerator, in your Bible, whatever that is, and continue to commit to pray for that name. I believe God's going to do something crazy. Would you guys mind standing with me just for a moment here? This is good stuff, guys. I'm so excited to see what God is doing through this church. Next week, we're going to have a list of things that are happening, and uh, it's just amazing, the, the events that are coming up. We're going to be talking, we're going to have an Engage Sunday and talking about how we're, we're going to be missional in our church community, in our city community and in the world and kind of talking about moving that forward. We have Easter. I am so excited because my part-time job, I've invited like everybody that works there and we actually have some incredible people that are going to be coming to church that are a little bit nervous. So I'm so excited for you guys to be welcoming them uh, and excited to see what God does through that. Um, on on uh, May 21st, I'm going to start talking to you guys. We don't have any sign-ups yet, but we're going to do a baptism service um, and that's actually going to be kind of focused on families and we're going to kind of just really 
promote that to families in the local area. We got a challenge that we're going to challenge you guys from, from our mission Sunday all the way to, to the, the May 21st. And we're going to try to do something for our city, whether it be our law enforcement or our teachers. Uh, we're going to do something together. We're just going to do something together that's missional. You guys will hear about that. And then we're going to come into the summer, and we're just going to be ready to receive. We're just going to be ready to receive people and keep inviting, and we're going to be ready to hear the stories about it. I'm super excited about our prayer wall in the back. We, uh, we have this prayer wall. You can go back there and kind of see how it works. But I am already starting to hear incredible stories that God's doing through prayer. And I can't wait to have those testimonies up here so you guys can be hearing about this. Prayer works. And in 2017, Engaged Church is really focused to that. And so I just want to leave you on a prayer. And I'm, uh, I'm just excited. If you couldn't tell that this morning, God's good. Amen. Lord, we love you. We're, we're so excited about your word. We understand that this is truth. And, uh, and we thank you for that. Even when it stings a little bit or it kind of really challenges our thinking, we're just glad that you're a truthful God and that you show us the way in love. Thank you that you're a God that is just so real. And like you get down with the messy people and, and we're all messy so we can kind of respect that and love that and appreciate the grace that you throw on us. And, and as we've been given that grace, you're asking us to, to look at this city and others, the people around us in the same way. Lord, I pray that in a powerful way that the names that we've written down don't just become something that we did at church one time, but that this is a real thing, that you show us the power of prayer. When we pray for somebody, that you just show us that it might not necessarily change them, but it just changes us even. And that our compassion and our, and our thoughts towards them start to change and we become more intentional. Will you just do something in this local church through that? We believe in prayer. We believe in your power. We love you here today, Jesus, and we just continue to ask you to, to be with us as we plan, as we move forward with this local church engage, and as we step out into this city. Guide us. We want to be here. It's not about our agenda. It's all about yours. We give you the glory for everything. It's a celebration of what you've done, not anything that we've done. We love you today, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth, on Facebook, and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya.